0: We are going to be jumping back into Judges chapter 11, which is a wild thing, right? And so the last verse in Judges, yeah, if you guys need a Bible, raise your hand and the guys will get you one. So chapter 11, we may jump around a little bit, but uh, the last verse in Judges, it says, everyone did what was right. In their own mind, Richard, is there one more? Everyone did what was right in their own mind, and there was no king in Israel. And that's a powerful statement, right? It's a reminder. When Jesus himself is not ruling in the hearts of his people, when the God of Israel is not reigning, there's problems, right, to do what's right in your own mind. It's no different than what goes all the way back to the garden, where they ate the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they became independent from God, you know, and we're, we're learning hopefully to become dependent upon God, right? Just to lean into him, his strength, his wisdom, um, and have fellowship with him in the midst of it. So we should pray. You know what? I, I want to read Psalm 14 and then we'll pray. Um, <clears throat> I was just kind of pondering over this last night. Maybe it speaks to somebody. It's Uh, It's a reminder, right, that all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's glory. So, for the choir director, Psalm of David, verse 1, chapter 14 of the, the book of Psalms. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside together, and they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. What an uplifting message, right? Do all the workers of wickedness not know, who eat up my people as they, as they eat bread? Or do they not call upon the Lord? There they are in great dread for God is with the righteous generation. You would put to shame the counsel of the afflicted, but the Lord is his refuge. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out of Zion. Yes. When the Lord restores his captive people, Jacob will rejoice and Israel will be glad. So Lord Jesus, what an amazing psalm. Thank you, Father, that you love us. Lord, we were dead in our trespasses and sin, and you took on sin for us that we could become the righteousness of God, that you knew no sin, Lord, but you bore our sin and shame. And Lord, what an amazing thing. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for hope that's found in you. Lord, thank you for choosing such simple people as us, Lord, to be your beacons of light in this world. And um, Lord, ask that you'd speak to us through your word. Lord, what a privilege it is to know you and be known by you, Lord. Um, So fill us with your spirit. May we have ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So good old judges, if if Psalm 14 doesn't ring true, where are you, judges? If Psalm 14 doesn't ring true, as we get in judges, there's a reality. You know, we're dealing in a fallen world. And it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. So we are looking at the judges and we know that as we talked about last week, that God desired to be the King of Israel, right? To rule over them. Even the name Israel means that, you know, the idea is governed by God or ruled, you know, by God. And, um, the struggle is that they were Jacob, which means the same as my middle name, James, which means heel catcher, planter, deceiver, schemer, right? So he literally caught his brother's heel, um, and we can be that way. We can scheme and surplant and do what's right in our own mind you know, and not allow the king to be the king in our lives. And it's a wrestle. It's a wrestle and God gives us choice. So, um, so we're going through this. The Lord's revealing that, you know what? People are broken. People are messed up. And so as we look in chapter 11, verse one, we're looking at the next judge. Now, Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a valiant warrior, but he was the son of a harlot, and Gilead was the father of Jephthah. Gilead's wife bore him sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove out Jephthah, out and said to him, you shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. And worthless fellows gathered t- themselves about Jephthah, and they went out with him. What an amazing start. So this guy named Jephthah, he's a valiant warrior, right? He's an intense guy. But guess what? He was the son of a harlot. Now, I don't know if this is just eye-opening to you, but he didn't have the choice to be born where he was born. He didn't have a choice to be born to wh- whose family that he was born. Just as you and I, and that's a weird thing. I will say personally, you know, I had the privilege of being a missionary in Ukraine and just got to serve people and um, just to love on the precious people, right? Please keep praying for Ukraine is right. I, yeah, the Lord is doing a good work. I do believe in the midst of all the darkness, right? And just pray that, that God's people would continue to rise up in prayer and be bold and that, that Um, Just, yeah, just be praying. Anyways, one of the things that I learned, and it took me years to learn, was that I was no better than the Ukrainian people. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think at times we go on missions trips, right? We go and we go serve, we go do something, we think, oh, look, I'm offering something. What are we offering to them? What do we have? You know, I was, like, like I said, like I didn't choose to be born in the family that I was born. I didn't be, I didn't choose to, you know to to be raised where I was raised, right and there's just the same as Jephthah to recognize that God is near the lowly right He has a heart like Jesus when he hung out, he hung out with the broken-hearted he hung out with the tax collectors, with the sinners with you know with the prostitutes and so he was acquainted with those people and I believe he still is that way. He has a heart for those that are that are that are messed up and I love as we read through this we see guys like Jephthah. And he's born into this, but he's a valiant warrior, and he's the son of a harlot. And um, so what does his family do? They drive him out. They said, get out of here. Um, you should not have an inheritance because you're not of our family's house, which is a wild thing. And it, and it seems to be repeated, right? Joseph, this happened with Joseph. His brothers got jealous, you know, threw him in a pit and sold him. Um, David, you know, oh, don't you have any more sons? You know, like I'm supposed to anoint one. Don't you have any other ones? Oh, yeah, we have David, but he's he's out taking care of the animals. You know, what about, you know, even Jesus, right? And so we just see that, the heart of God, that he's for the brokenhearted, and he's for the lonely, and I, just an encouragement because I I'm I'm living proof. I don't know if you guys know that, but I'm living proof that God can use the simple things of the world that confound the wise, the weak, and the debased things. And so, um, 1 Corinthians chapter eighteen or chapter 18, 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse eighteen. You don't have to turn there, but if you would like to, you can. So, First Corinthians one eighteen it says. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That's the gospel. To those who, are, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, "I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever, and I will set aside." Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debtor of this age? Has not God made foolish the wise, the wisdom of this world? Since, for since, in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom, did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So it's just amazing, right? And then he talks about just preaching Christ crucified. But the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And so just keep that in mind, right? And Maybe you think, you know what? God couldn't use me. And he can. He uses the simple people. He uses the people that have been destitute and washed up and, and to show his greatness, right? It's just the idea that Jesus said, those that have been forgiven much love much. You know, when we recognize that we deserve death and he's given us life and abundant life, it's just an amazing thing. So as we look at Jephthah here, turning back to Judges, he gets kicked out by his family. He's rejected. And he's hanging out with these worthless dudes, right? <laughs> a bunch of worthless fellows, right? They're, they're not really doing anything. And apparently Jephthah's got some sort of leadership within him. And uh, so they went out, verse 3. Verse 4, it came about after a while that the sons of Ammon fought against Israel. And when the sons of Ammon fought against Israel, the elders of Gilead went out to Jephthah from the land of Tob. And they said to Jephthah, come and be our chief that we may fight against the sons of Ammon. Whoa, there was such a time as this, right? They're, they're coming back. These guys are coming back and saying, hey, I, we want you to stand up. And so Jep- Jephthah's response. Then Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, do you not hate me and drive me from my father's house? So why have you come to me now when you are in trouble? "'The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, "'For this reason we have now returned to you "'that you may go with us and fight with the sons of Ammon "'and become head over all the inhabitants of Gilead.' "'So Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, "'If you take me back to fight against the sons of Ammon "'and the Lord gives them up to me, "'will I become your head.'" It's an interesting thing, right? Right? Did you hear what he said in the midst of that? The Lord, right? The Lord gives them up. Well, we're gonna le- learn about this guy, Jephthah, and he has a heart for the Lord. He has a heart for God's word. Even though he was you know, rejected by his family and kind of cast off and hung out with a bunch of you know, low life dudes. Um, kind of reminds me of David, right? David's mighty men. Um, but he has a heart for the Lord, which is interesting. Verse 10, the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord is witness between us. Surely we will do as you have said. And then Jephthah went out with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and chief over them. And Jephthah spoke all the words before the Lord at Mizpah. Wow. Again, he's speaking with the Lord. There's a relationship there. There's something about this man in the midst of it. And so there's, you could, you could actually, you know, You know, where uh, Mizpah is an interesting place, there's also meetings that's happened in the past. So verse 12. Now Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the sons of Ammon, saying, Uh, what is between you and me that you have come to fight me, or come to fight against my land? The king of the sons of Ammon said to the messengers of Jephthah, because Israel took away my land when they came up from Egypt and from the uh, Aaron as far as the Jabuk, and the Jordan. Therefore, return them peaceably now. But Jephthah sent messengers again to the king of the son of Ammon and said to him, thus says Jephthah, Israel did not take away the land of Moab nor the land of the sons of Ammon. For when they came up from Egypt, And Israel went through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. And then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom saying, please let us pass through your land. But the king of Edom would not listen. And they also sent to the king of Moab, but he would not consent. So Israel remained in Kadesh. Then they went through the wilderness and around the land of Edom and the land of Moab and came to the east side of the land of Moab, and they camped beyond the Aaron. But they did not enter the territory of Moab, for, the, for Aaron was the border of Moab. And Israel sent messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the king of Heshbon. And the Israelites said to him, please let us pass through your land to our place. But Sihon did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. So Sihon gathered all of his people and camped in Jehaz and fought with Israel. Then the Lord, the God of Israel, gave Sihon and his people into the hand of Israel, and they defeated them. So Israel possessed all the land of the Amorites and the inhabitants of the country. So they possessed all the territory of the Amorites, and uh, from uh, Aaron, Arnon, I'll get it right one of these times. Arnon, as far as uh, Jabuk, And from the wilderness, as far as the Jordan. Since now the Lord God of Israel drove out the Amorites from before his people Israel, you are then to possess it. And then you are to possess, then to possess it. Do you not possess what uh, Chemosh, your God, gives you to possess so whatever the lord our god has driven us out before us we will possess now are you any better than balak the son of zippor king of moab did he ever strive with israel or did he ever fight against them while israel lived in heshbon and its villages and in, in yeah exactly our arior and in the and its villages and in its cities that are on the banks of the Arnon 300 years why did you uh, not recover them within that time i therefore have not sinned against you but you are doing me wrong by making war with uh, making war against me may the lord may the lord the judge judge today between the sons of israel and the sons of ammon but the kings of the sons of ammon Disregarded the message which Jephthah sent him. What an amazing thing! So we see this, and it appears that even in the start of this, that even though he's a valiant warrior, right? He's a mighty warrior. He's trying to to negotiate, trying to talk things out first before lives are taken. And as we just noticed, he's speaking in depth of of the history, right? Of of Israel, speaking in depth of what God has spoken um, in the in the Pentateuch, in the the first five books of the Bible, reminding, you know, you could see this guy's heart. Now, again, who did Jephthah raise up with? Like, who did he grow up with? His family booted him. I don't know how quickly, but he was a man after God's, like, it appears, after the word of God and, and after God, which is an amazing scene to see there. So he's trying to, like, at least negotiate but he's given in-depth history, but he's also bringing back several times. Verse twenty-three, verse twenty-one, uh, verse twenty-four, verse twenty-seven, speaking about the Lord. You know, and so it's recognizing that, and there's even the battle of, of the you know of gods there, right, of Chemosh, and so we see that this is going on, and so what happens? Verse twenty-nine, of Chapter 11 of Judges. Now the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. What an amazing thing. You know, we're going to be reading uh, in the next couple weeks. um, You know, we read about Jephthah and the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him. We also read about this wild dude named Samson, and the Spirit is upon him. You know, and uh, what an amazing scene. And, And we need, you know, it's an interesting thing in the Old Testament when we see the Spirit come upon people. Because it's not common. One of the amazing things is the the new covenant that we are dwelling in right now is that God was going to remove the heart of stone from us and he was going to put a heart of flesh within us and put his spirit within us and cause us to walk in his way. That's one of the amazing things about the new covenant, guys. And it was inaugurated through the broken body and the blood of Jesus. He was the one who went alone that we could be a part of that covenant. He died so that we could be alive. And the amazing thing is, the Spirit dwells within us. How do we live out this Christian life? You know, I'm going to be talking with the guys, um, Lord willing, Saturday night. Lord willing, pay attention to that. We'll have to read that later. Um, About chapter seven of Romans, wanting to do what's right and not doing what's right and wrestling through all of that. I don't know if you guys have been there, but we need God's Spirit, He is our Savior. You know, we were the, as we were singing the song earlier, earlier uh, this evening. Um you know, hallelujah Jesus. I don't know, I was just thinking about that. But just that, you know, you know, praise ye the Lord, God is salvation. Jesus is God is salvation, right? Praise the Lord that God is salvation. Just I was just thinking about that. Jesus, right? God is salvation. Yeshua is just so amazing. But just thinking about how good that God is. Um You know, but the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. And we know, right, the new covenant, and we need him to be able to walk in this, this life that God has called us to do. You know, Jesus said, you know, and we've covered this. Jordan's covered a lot recently, talking about the Holy Spirit will be with you, right, of conviction. And then he will be in you. And then after that point of salvation, when he's in you, he will come upon you with power. Jesus said, you shall be my witnesses to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the remotest parts of the earth, to be witnesses of Jesus, to be empowered. And we know what the fruit of the Spirit is, right? The fruit of the Spirit is is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, you know, self-control, all of these good things. That's what comes out of the life of a spirit-led life. It's not a perfect life, but it's a life that is yielded to God. Um, It says in John 14, 26, that the Holy Spirit... He will teach us in all things, that in Ephesians chapter 5, 17, that we're not to be drunk with wine as in dissipation. as wasting, squandering, but we are to be filled with the Spirit, continually filled with the Spirit, that we would be empowered to live the life that God hasn't called us to do. Um, we know that there's just so many spots, right? Um, that the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 2, that he searches and he knows the hearts, and, you know, that we can grieve the spirit of God that it's just all of these things. It's an amazing picture. And so to be reminded that we need the spirit of God and he's our continual help. Uh, my students this morning, we were, I guess it was this morning. It was before noon. It was afternoon too. But um, we were talking about what does it mean to, to walk a spirit-filled life? And it's a simple yielded life asking God day in and day out saying, God, I need you. You know, I... I don't know if you guys can relate, but I'm, you know, I I come from brokenness and I'm, you know, and whatever, been rejected and been thrown out. But I have a God who loves me and I need him to strengthen me and empower me to walk in this world. Right. And so just it's just an amazing thing that the Spirit of God dwells within us. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption. It says so it's so good. Anyways, getting back into here, verse 29 of chapter 11 of the book of Judges. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah so that he passed through Gilead and Manasseh. Then he passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from Mizpah of Gilead, he went on to the sons of Ammon. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed give me the sons of Ammon into my hand, oh, then it shall be that whatever comes out of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the sons of Ammon, it shall be the Lord's and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Uh Oh, Oh, this one. That's what I heard, right? Yeah. We're not, we're not hacking up people and sending them to tribes yet. That's not going to be me. That's later. It's just, ugh, right. Tent, tent stakes and craziness, you know, dudes getting, it's, this is a wild book. And you guys are here. like, I don't know if that makes sense, but, like, you guys show up. its For an Old Testament Bible study in the middle of the week, like, what a privilege. It is, you know, you guys are peculiar. It's okay. <laughs> it's the word of God. Like, we get to, it's just good, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. So here he makes a vow to the Lord. And let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let's be simple on how we operate, Right. It's difficult, right? If we make things to the Lord, because then how do we walk through it? And we're going to see in the case here of what to do, you know. Um, it's interesting because in Ecclesiastes it speaks of this, you know. And if you guys have spent much time in Ecclesiastes, that's kind of the futility of man, of walking through things, right? And, and Solomon recognizing how much he needs the Lord, but here's the wisest man and he's coming to his end because there's a the foolish things of the world. Or the, the Lord is more wise than the wise things of this world, right? And so here he makes this promise before God. I don't know why, um, but he does. And, you know, that if the Lord wills is a powerful statement. People make fun of me when I said that, you know, like, you know, Lord willing. But the idea is God's in control, right? He knows. And so we're going to deal with this problem here in a minute. verse 32. So Jephthah crossed over to the sons of Ammon to fight against them and the Lord gave them into his hands. He struck them with a very great slaughter from wherever that place are or uh, to the entrance of Menath 20 cities and as far as Abel kuram Yeah. So the sons of Ammon were subdued before the sons of Israel. When Jephthah came to his house at Mizpah. Behold, his daughter was coming out to meet him with tambourines and with dancing. She was his one and only child. Besides her, he had no son and no daughter. Wow. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, you have brought me very low and you are among those who trouble me for I have given my word to the Lord and I cannot take it back. What's her response? So she said to him, My father, you have given me your word to the, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you have said, since the Lord has avenged you of my enemy, of your enemies and the sons of Ammon. You see the character of not only of this man who's an outcast, but the character of his daughter. You know, yeah, he, he opens his mouth and says what he was not supposed to say, it appears. But his daughter's like, you're to be an upright man according to your word. I don't get this, guys. I don't I don't understand this. I'll just tell you. But the character of this, you know, it's just amazing. And again, here's, 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 this, here's this girl, his only daughter, right? I don't know if you guys know, but I just had a daughter, like, what, three weeks ago, something like that, and she was back there while we were worshiping, and she's really sweet, um, you know, uh, wow, right? It reminds me of somebody else who gave their only begotten son, you know? that this world would not be condemned, but would be saved through him, right? And so the love of a father. And so here, this father's love for his daughter. She's celebrating with him. She's dancing. And he had realized, man, this is right at the door, coming out the door, and we're in trouble. So verse 37, she said to her father, let this thing be done for me, and let me alone two months, that I may go to the mountains and weep because of my virginity and I and my companions. And then he said, go. He sent her away for two months and she had left with her companions and wept on the mountains because of her virginity. At the end of two months, she returned to her father who did to her according to to the vow which he had made and she had no relations with a man. Thus it became a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite, four days uh, in a year. So if you want to look at commentaries, you're going to find a lot of different possibilities here. Um, We know in Leviticus 18.21 and Deuteronomy 12.31, that God forbid, right, that God forbid human sacrifice. One of the issues of these nations that were surrounding around Israel is that they killed their children, you know? And so God forbid human sacrifice. So there's a conundrum here. There's a problem. How do we walk through this? What do we do? Here's a man who was filled with the Spirit of God. And here he made a vow to the Lord and says, I must keep it. And so there, there's a lot of different, you know, I've read different things and listened. and was trying to figure out what in the world is going on. And uh, back in verse 31, I, there's here's one thing. This is Warren Wiersbe. He had said back in verse 31, it could be translated that I will offer it up as a burnt offering. And the and can be translated or... I will offer it up as uh, like an oar, okay? And so she shall be the Lord's or I will offer as a burnt offering. And so some people believe that um, just as Samuel was dedicated, right, to the temple, and that, you know, basically Samuel was raised in the temple, that that was going to be her, that she wasn't going to be sacrificed, but there was going to be a sacrifice in the place and um, and that she was, she was going to be given to the Lord. I don't know. That's a much easier one to settle on my heart. I will let you know, <laughs> right? Um, even though we see the love of, of the father and the daughter there and just the, the care for one another truly, and the care for the Lord and to honor him. Um, I don't know, right? To me, it doesn't make any sense. We know that God himself told Abraham, Take your son, your only son. Take him up to this mount, I'm going to tell you. He arranges the one on the back of the son. And they proceed up. And they're they're on their way up. And Isaac, who is not a little boy, by the way, he wouldn't be able to carry the wood on his back up the mountain, right? Which is a very symbolic picture of Jesus carrying the cross, right? Going up. And he says, Dad, I see I see that you've got the fire and the knife and sacrifice. And he says, uh, but where's the sacrifice? And I love the statement. He says, the Lord will provide. Now, if you look at the himself, it's in italics, right? That means it's inferred. The Lord will provide him. The Lord will provide, right? The idea is himself. He will be the one that provides. But we know that Jesus is the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He was the ram that was caught in the thicket when Abraham was ready to drop that knife all the way through his son's heart as he affixed him to the altar. And he says, Ho, 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 Abraham, now I know that you have not withheld your son, your only son. And he lifted his eyes up, and behold, he saw a ram caught in the thicket. Right? And the ram with the caught in the thorn bush, very much a picture of the cross and the crown of thorns. And that ram took the place of his son. He shows up in the hall of faith of Hebrews, right? In that, Uh, the guy that we just read, Jephthah, shows up in the hall of faith of Hebrews. So I don't know how God does this. It doesn't say how he works this. Does he actually offer up his, his, his daughter? Again, Leviticus 18, 21, Deuteronomy 12, 31 forbids it. So I can't imagine God saying that. And even the nations around that were killing their children or were doing all these horrendous things, I couldn't imagine God allowing that. And so, I don't know. He ends up in the hall of faith for a reason. And so, I personally, it would be easier to rest in my conscience, I guess, to see that, right? That he um, that he gives her to the Lord and, and offers up the sacrifice. He appears to be a man of his word. So... um I think there's a lesson in there. Don't make promises to the Lord. You know, right? If the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We love to read those verses, right? But guess what? As you read in that section of, what is it, Philippians? There's trials surrounding all around. There's difficult times. It's like, oh, I can do all things. It's through difficult times. Refining and burning and, whew, Right, the, the pains of this world, but the Lord is our strength. We have the Spirit of the Lord upon us; He's able to carry us through. So, um, you guys study it out. Be good Bereans, right? They were good Bereans because they received the word with all readiness, and they went and they searched the Scriptures to find out if these things were true. And Again, we live in a broken world, and we have a God who is able to make a way. So I don't know. I don't know how all that works, but we're going to keep going on. Chapter 12. Then the men of Ephraim. You know what? These guys were showing up when Brett was teaching and they're idiots just the same. They haven't learned. They were summoned and they crossed to uh, wherever that's called uh, and said to Jephthah, why did you cross over to fight against the sons of Ammon without calling us to go with you? We will burn your house down on you. I just wrote next to them punks, right? Like they're just they're just punks. I don't get, I don't know. Like it's the same thing, isn't it, Brett? They're they're just like, hey, why didn't you bother us? No, like. Yeah. So these guys, they just showed up again. Jephthah said to them, verse two, I and my people were at great strife for the sons of Ammon. When I called you, you did not deliver me from their hand. Oh, reminder, when I saw that you would not deliver me, I took my life in my hands and crossed over against the sons of Ammon, and the Lord, the Lord gave them into my hand. Why then have you come up to me this day to fight against me? Again, they're punks. Then Jephthah gathered all the men of Gilead and fought Ephraim. That's wild, isn't it? Just sadness. And the men of Gilead defeated Ephraim because they said, You are fugitives of Ephraim, O Gileadites, In the midst of Ephraim and in the midst of Manasseh. Then the Gileadites captured the, the fords. Mine says fords. It could be Chevys or... Dodge. Um, Of the Jordan opposite of Ephraim. And it happened when any of the fugitives of Ephraim said, let us cross over. The men of Gilead would say to them, are you an Ephraimite? If he said no, then they would say to him, say chowda. No, uh, say now uh, Shibboleth. And they would say Sibboleth. (laughs) <laughs> for they could not pronounce it correctly. <laughs> then they would seize him and slew him at the fords of the Jordan. Thus they fell at a time 42,000 of Ephraim. So uh, isn't it amazing? I, I, it's the word of God. It's here. We're reading it. We're going through it. And so they, they would call him out. And that was that. So. Um, Verse seven, Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. And so interesting man, right? Like, again, he's in the hall of faith, you know? And so I love that. I just, I think it's an interesting thing that God could use anybody, you know? So uh, verse eight, now Isbon of Bethlehem judged over Israel after him. He had 32, 30 sons and 30 daughters whom he gave in marriage outside the family. And he brought in 30 daughters from outside of his sons and he judged seven years. Then his Isban died and was buried in Bethlehem. Another one with like a ton of daughters and stuff. And so outside the family could be a problem, right? And so, um, yeah, so he's dead. Verse 11. Now, Elon, the Zebulunite, judged Israel after him, and he judged Israel 10 years. Then Elon, I don't think that's Musk, the Zebulunite died and was buried at Ajalon in the land of Zebulun. Now, Abaddon, the son of Hail, the Periphanite, judged Israel after him. And he had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys and he judged Israel eight years. And then Abaddon, the son of Hail, the Pirathanite, died and was buried at Pirathon in the land of Ephraim in the hill country of the Amalekites. So, Let's go jump on another chapter here, right? Now, the sons of Israel, sad face, again did evil in the sight of the Lord, so that the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines 40 years. And again, as we talked about last week, it's that sin cycle carousel that happens with Israel and that reminder that, you know, God blesses them and there's great things, then they get comfortable and then they sin and then they get in bondage and then you know there's there's a brokenness and then they get delivered and then they get blessed and then they get comfortable and then they sin and then yes to be able to praise the Lord in the simple things we talked about this last week right to be able to, to worship the Lord in the simple parts of the day is amazing when things are good you know um, there is like the times that these big things happen, but oftentimes it's just the, the faithfulness of the Lord. It's the walk of God, and so we see this that this kind of cycle that they go through, and so they're getting thrashed by the Philistine for 40 years. Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zariah, of the family of the Danites, whose name is Manoah, and his wife was barren. And had borne no children. Yet again, another theme that we see over and over, right, in the scriptures of uh, not being able to have children. Then the angel of the Lord, interesting name, angel of the Lord, verse 3, chapter 13, appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, now you are barren and have borne no children, but you shall conceive and give birth to a son. And again, we see the, you know, we see this over and over again, whether it's Sarah or, um, you know, we see John the Baptist, right? The, you know, just that whole that whole scene there, and then we see, obviously, Jesus, the Lord, is speaking to, to Mary. Now, therefore, be careful, not to drink wine or strong drink, nor eat anything unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son, and no razor. Shall come upon his head, for the body shall be a shall the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So again, this is a very interesting scene that comes in here. Um, Number six, those that wanna study that one through 21 speaks of the Nazarite vow to be set apart. For most people in the scriptures here, it's for a season, it's for a time. But this Samson dude that's gonna be showing up here He's from birth, and apparently, mom gets to join in <laughs> a little bit, right, in this Nazarite vow of to be separate. So it's just an interesting thing, right? But it also says, if you did notice in verse five, he shall begin to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines, and I think that's an important thing to be reminded of, right? We know, we know, as we get into as we look into to Samson, that he was a super blessed guy. And he was also dominated, right? Kind of going into these things. Um, you know, I can re- like I, I I can like see the relation of the first Cor- the Corinthians, right? Because the Corinthians were super gifted people, but they were using it for selfish means. You know, and so that we can read through that. And there's maybe that is that in our own life that God has gifted us, but using it for means of selfishness and not for the Lord. A gift is for others. Pretty simple, right? When, as we talked about the fruit of the spirit, the purpose of the fruit is not for the bush or for the tree or for the plant. It's for others, right? And that's the idea. Is you know, Jesus said, "You lose your life for my sake, you'll find it." But if you're trying to save your life, you're going to lose it. And so, there's something about allowing those gifts and those things, and, and then to not be dominated by the the ways of the world, right? But to be Surrendered to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. So this angel of the Lord shows up. Quite interesting. Verse 6 Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. And I did not ask him where he came from, nor did he tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and give birth to a son. And you shall not drink wine or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing, for the boy shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb till the day of his death. So there's something special about this guy that's coming in. Then Manoah entered. Uh, ent- I'm sorry, entreated the Lord and said, "Oh Lord, please let the man of God whom you have sent come to us again, that he may teach us." What to do for the boy who is to be born? I have no idea why he's asking. Like, I want to get a part of this too. He's a little bit intense. You know, whatever reason it is. But God listened, verse 9, to the voice of Manoah, And the angel of God came again to the woman as she was sitting in the field. But Manoah, her husband, was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who, the man who come the other day, he's appeared to me. Then Manoah arose and followed his wife. And when he came to the man, he said to him, Are you the man who spoke to the woman? And he said, I am. Interesting. And Manoah said, Now, when your words come to pass, what shall be the boy's mode of life or in his vocation? Like, what's he going to be doing? So the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Let the woman pay attention to all that I had said. She Uh, She should not eat anything that comes from the vine, nor drink wine, or strong drink, nor eat any unclean thing. Let her observe all that I commanded. Then Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, Please, let us detain you, so that we may prepare a young goat for you. It's always food happening, right? Then the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, Though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord, for Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. Now, who is the angel of the Lord? I believe it's Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. I'm the one that thinks that it was Jesus walking in the garden in the cool of the day, coming to fix the problem that Adam and Eve just invited into all of creation. God is so intimately acquainted with our world. I don't know if that makes sense. Yet he is altogether separate, if that makes sense. Like he is so far beyond us, but yet he humbled himself to be in with us, right? He's near, it's just it's just amazing, right? He was acquainted with grief. Like he knows what we've been through. He's a God that can relate to us. Not that he had to, but he did because he's just amazing. So... Uh, Did not know it was the angel of the Lord. Verse 17. Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? So that when your words come to pass, we may honor you. But the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask me my name, seeing that it is wonderful? Uh, Incomprehensible. That is amazing. So, Isaiah nine. Let's jump there real quick. Isaiah nine. Where are you, Isaiah? Hmm. So, Chapter Nine of Isaiah. We know these verses, verse six. We could start, I don't know, we could read so much more, but for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. What a powerful, powerful statement that is. He is the mighty God, as it says in Isaiah ten twenty one. as in class this morning, we uh, reread about in Micah 5, 2. Where is Micah? If you want to turn to Micah 5, you you can. If you don't, you don't have to. Where are you, Micah? He's part of the 12 here. Mm. So Micah chapter 5. It's part of the 12, right? The minor prophets. He's after good old Jonah, who I can relate to. Probably more than I should, uh, and, and, and before Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you say his name. So, five two says, "But as for you, Bethlehem, uh, Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel. His going forths are from long ago; he's the ancient of days." And from the days of eternity or from the vanishing point, speaking of the eternal God and as he's coming forth. And we know this speaking of the birth of Jesus coming and it's just amazing. You know, um, you can keep reading on and that and it's just oh, its so good. So this one, we'll have to just look and in the beginning of verse five. This one will be peace. This one will be our peace to be able to have peace with Jesus. If y'all don't have peace with Jesus today, you're in enmity with God. If you're in your sins, you're trapped. But he's the God of peace. And he has done everything. He's took all of our sins and our shame that separated us from him. And he's bore it himself so that we can have the peace of God and have peace with God. And it's by faith. It's believing, right? We can't earn it. It's just his goodness. So let us wrap this up. Let's go back to Judges. Salvation in Christ, so good. God before me, who can be against me? All right, so we are in verse 18. Why do you call my name? Why do you ask my name, seeing that it's wonderful? So Manoah, verse 19, chapter 13 took the young goat with the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord. And he performed wonders while Manoah and his wife looked on. What an amazing scene. Can you imagine that? Having an encounter with God. Pre-incarnate of Jesus, right? Of God in the flesh. The everything you want to know about this great and awesome God in this itty-bitty living space, space of a human of Jesus, right? And so we see this, this pre of Jesus and they're interacting with him. For it came about when the flame went up from the altar towards heaven, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And when Manoah and his wife saw this, they fell on their faces to the ground. They worshiped. Now the angel of the Lord did not appear to Manoah or his wife again. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. So Manoah said to his wife, we will surely die for we have seen God. Now, was he referring back to, right? In the Pentateuch where it says that no one could look upon God and live. You know, it's it's such an interesting scene. What what does it say in the New Testament? What we behold, the face of Jesus, right? Glory upon glory. And it's just, it's amazing that we we can, it's just, oh. so we're going to get new bodies. I don't know if you guys know this. <laughs> uh, we're going to see him as he is. And there will be a name that we'll have that only you and Jesus know. And only, you know, I don't understand how all that works. <laughs> so amazing though. We have a God who truly truly loves us. I don't realize it half the time. I'm busy being an idiot like the, like when I read in the Judges, and then I realize, oh, wait a minute, God is for me. He loves me. You know, it's just an amazing, amazing scene. So it says, they we've seen God. But his wife said to him, verse 23, if the Lord has desired to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering from our hands, nor would he have shown us all these things, nor would he have let us hear these things like this at this time. Honey, I think we should write it down. <laughs> do you imagine being in this scene and writing it and sharing like having this encounter with God? And here she's getting ready to have a child, and she's like, oh, I better do this right. Um, you know, just as with Mary, right? This lowly girl who, as, as we started off the study, you know, she was having a child out of wedlock. She was cast out. There was no room when she was getting ready to have Jesus, right? They're like, oh. you know, we're all showing up, having the census, all of this, and you can't come in here for whatever reason. You know, our God came in with the lowly. Just amazing. So he meets us there, right? And He doesn't leave us there. He lifts us up. And so just be reminded of that, that you can go to the Lord. He's good. So verse 24, then the woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And here we see that again, verse 25. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. So, and then in uh, Mahana Dan between Zora and yeah, exactly, Astral. So we're gonna get to see Samson. We only have two chapters to do next week, Lord willing. So, which is great. Um, I think we should pray. Sound good? So, uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege of studying Your Word. Um, Lord, I just thank you that you've revealed yourself in the way that you have. Lord, you're the God of all creation. And Lord, uh, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord, but until that day, Lord, we uh, we have a world that that does what's own right in their own mind, does what's right in their own mind. And um, the king is either themselves or whatever it is. And Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. And Lord, Lord, uh, we just want to bow our hearts before you again to say, you're the king. We want your will to be done. We want to be filled with your spirit. And we could be allied into this world that we would be different people, not because we're better, not right? because we were born in a different way or different, you know, family or whatever, but we've been born again to a living hope that is incorruptible and will not pass away. And so, um, Lord, may we share this hope of eternal life with those that are around us. May we live it out, Lord. May we be living epistles. So empower us by your spirit that we may do this, Lord. So we love you because you first loved us. You put your love within us. You've caused us to walk in your ways. So empower us, Lord, to be a light. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.